Today I'm really pleased to be talking to Joe Malone, an icon of luxury fragrance around the world. But in actual fact today we're going to be talking to her about the launch of her new brand, Joe Loves. Joe's famous for having left school with no qualifications and learning the art of uh, fragrance creation in her kitchen, being taught by her mother who was a beautician. Well, she then started the Joe Malone brand in 1994 and then grew that brand until it was sold to the Estee Lauder group of companies in a multi-million pound deal in 1999. She stayed on as a creative director for a further five years and then took time out to consider what next. Well, here we are five years on and we're going to be talking about the launch of her new brand, Joe Loves, which is opening its store in London in early October. Joe Loves is inspired by the uh, moments and ingredients of Joe's life and the people around her and she's going to be talking to us all about that and explaining um, all that inspiration for us today and what's going to be fascinating is hearing about how she's gone from being the challenger to the icon and back to the challenger again so Joe Malone welcome to Challengers and Icons so welcome Joe um, a woman who hardly needs an introduction and I'm very pleased to be talking to you today um, we're really going to be talking about uh, your new venture, Joe Loves, mm. and um, it already seems to be a growing success. Um, and uh, I know you've got some big plans which you're going to be telling us about shortly. Um, but uh, when I was doing the research on this, uh, I noticed that you said it was a, it very much an instinctual thing for you. Mm. Can you um, just tell us a little bit more about that? Is that how you? Is that how you are often inspired by your instincts and what drives you forward? I think that's who I am. I mean, I'm, I'm, anyone who knows me as a person will know that I'm very instinct-driven. So I'm very black and I'm very white. So there's, there's very little grey area in between. I either feel very strongly or I feel nothing about something. Mm. So Joe Loves is... I think I've always created fragrance with instinct. But Joe Loves is that wonderful moment in your life where you return back to where you first started. Oh. But I'm much older, so I've got this sort of experience behind me and that confidence to be able to listen to that small, you know, because we all have what we call gut instinct. Gut instinct is one of the greatest gifts that nature gives us. Mm. And as you get older, you learn to trust that gut instinct more and more. And I think Joe Loves is all about trusting those instincts, trusting when something is absolutely almost there but not quite, listening to that voice. Um, and it's a love that I have for this industry that I'm half a person if I'm not part of it. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it, I think learning to trust your gut is actually an art form, I think, and, you, and you, something that you get as you, certainly as you grow older and you get more experience, I think, and it's great to see it. So let's talk about your creative vision that's been carried into the design aesthetic for your, your, uh, mm. you know, your, your brands. And uh, I know that obviously, you know, in your, the previous incarnation of Joe Malone Fragrances, packaging design, identity and the whole way it came together was was kind of important so so just tell us from your point of view how you see the role of design in building a brand success and and in your new venture as well 
Well, I think the first thing you see in any brand is the visual part of it. It's not what's in that bottle that is going to touch you first. The th first thing you're going to feel is the feel of that box, the colour of that box. What is, what, are the, what is the message that I'm sending to everybody when somebody has a Joe Loves product in their hand, whether it's a bag or a box or a piece of ribbon, a piece of scented pomelo tissue paper, bath cologne, whatever it is, what they see first is the visual. So that is almost the invitation to say, do you want to travel a little bit further with this brand? Do you want to find out a little bit more um, about Joe and about what Joe loves? And it feels, I mean, obviously having a brand out there that was so iconic, had my name and the cream and black, really did change the way cosmetics, packaged products, sold products and uh, created fragrances. How was I ever going to do it again? And I did have to, you know, my instinct is always to go towards white. I love that whole space. I'm very dyslexic. So I love space always around everything. Mm. But another great passion is red. I love red sitting against a whole backdrop of white. So that's really where the red box came from. And I wanted something that, was, that motivated you, that you looked at it and you felt your heart pump and beat. And I feel that is very much what the packaging is doing at the moment. And I, and I truly believe as well, it's not quite there. There is something, there is just something still to be delivered into that packaging. I don't know quite what it is yet, but as, as I'm traveling this sort of amazing journey, and I know the key will be when we open that shop, there's something that that shop is gonna teach me that says that's the missing piece of the puzzle. So it's not that it's incomplete, it's just evolving. And I kind of like that journey. Hmm, interesting. So talking about the shop, because, well, we will come on to the shop in a minute. You, when you, you, you actually launched this brand online mm. uh, to start off with, and um, you've already admitted that, uh, well, we talked about sort of um, things being instinctual, and, and with that comes this kind of um, idea that, you know, you may make mistakes along the way and learn from mistakes and make things mm. better as you, as you go along. So um, you, you, how do you kind of... Um, you, you harness this idea of the fear of making mistakes. Do you, are you, do you just embrace it into the way that you, 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 you move forward and, the, um, and hmm. taking that back into the online experience as well? How did that all work for you and, and the learnings that have come from it? Listen, we're human beings. Human beings make mistakes. And I don't know anybody in business or in life that travels through and gets everything right and goes, tick, <laughs> I got that right, managed to do that, live that perfectly. We all do things because that is part of life and that is part of the nature of growing up and building something. And when you are going into unknown territory, you have to be prepared to, um, we have this saying in the company, plan A will always succeed because plan A is to fulfill that vision. Plan B changes from day to day. Mm. How we do it, the nuts and bolts of what makes something happen. The, but the ability to see yourself making a mistake and be able to turn quickly, that's the key. Not to continue to do the same thing over and over and over again and expect for some miraculous reason that it's going to turn out differently. Mm. If something isn't working or if something needs tweaking, do it. Move quickly. Put your hand up and say, I was the one that thought about this, but I don't think it's quite working. How about if we try it this way? And that's where an entrepreneur and a pioneer this pioneering spirit of an entrepreneur really come into play. I don't like making mistakes like anybody. I don't like the humiliation of it. I don't like admitting it. But 
but it is a really important part of success because it teaches you um, business muscle. It teaches you how to stand up, dust yourself off. Mm. Um, and sometimes, you know, in business solutions, it isn't the whole thing you have to change. It's just one tiny little cog and you suddenly move something. You know, you, you read some of the greatest business stories of all time, especially inventions. How many times do they continue to do something? And then suddenly, that light bulb moment, literally, that light bulb moment, will just go, oh my goodness, it's right in front of us. It was always right in front of you. But sometimes you have to travel that journey to get to that. Launching um, four fragrances on a website with mm -hmm. no presence of a shop, relying on the fact that everybody knew I'd left home alone. Um, you know, do I need to go on with my mistake list? I, I don't know. It was grueling and it, and it just was not clicking in. People couldn't experience the product. They didn't know that I'd even left, so they had no idea that I had a new business. Oh. And the whole thing just felt so, we got all the pieces right, but we got them all in the wrong order. So what we had to do is to go back, look at what we were actually physically doing. The product itself was doing, was doing a lot of the legwork for us. It was when people tried the product, they wanted to purchase again. The journalists wanted to write about the product. So I knew what was in that bottle was safe. Oh. If that hadn't been safe, I would really have had big questions for myself. It was just how we were doing it. And the heartbeat of the brand really just could not be communicated at that point on a website. Well, uh, by the time this, this podcast um, goes out there, um, the, the new store will be open. And, um, and so I think people will be kind of uh, experiencing this in the flesh, so to speak. And, um, and, and I, and I, and I, I I, I want to talk about the store in a minute, um, but before we do that, um, related to the idea of launching a brand online and, mm. and uh, it almost being a barrier uh, from the way you've described it to engagement with actually something which is extremely physical. Um, you need to smell it. You need to smell exactly, you know, <laughs> and we all know that it changes on different skins yeah. as well, fragrance and, and, and all these different factors. So, so in this instance, technology was, was potentially a barrier to, to kind of... Uh, blowing the opportunity um, out as, as much as possible on launch. But what is your view on technology these days um, when you see so many brands that are building success through te technology? Hmm. How do you feel it integrates into the whole kind of mix with, uh, with a brand these days? I, didn't feel it, I don't feel it was a barrier. I feel we got it all in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. So if you're... You know, we've just redone our website. We've just re-photographed. We're about to launch the new website at the same time as opening the store because we wanted the experiences to be the same and the mm. visuals. So I know we've got it right this time. I absolutely hand on my... I sat with the whole team. I, I did every one of those images, and they all feel very me. Mm. Um, we can't deny technology. Technology is the most, you know, from... You have a global brand and you can have one store in the world. I mean, that's my plan, to have Little Elizabeth Street opening and a global presence with a website. And that's the power that that has. But, you know, it, 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 isn't, a, it isn't an easy route to success. You really have to think through, and it changes from day to day. I pay continuous catch-up on social media, you know, I, I understand it today, but tomorrow something could change, something could happen. And it's a bit like a pulse, I feel, sort of social media, is 
you can't bank that that's how it's going to be for the next seven days. It changes from one minute to the next. Mm. And it can make you or it can destroy you. It can go one way or the other. How people feel, that one sentence that you tweet could um, alienate yourself or it could build you to huge levels. Um, it's not something that, I mean, I can't turn on a computer. I can't even switch one on. So mm. this comes from someone who... Isn't, it isn't the most comfortable thing for me. Standing behind a shop counter is where I feel very happy. Um, but I, don't, I can't deny that it's taking us to every four corners of the world. And I see all the messages that are coming in from customer services, the orders that are coming in from all parts of the world. And that wouldn't happen without a website. Yeah. So the power of it, you've just got to... I think it's really got to feel like your brand, though. You know, often on websites, it's almost... An ancillary of your brand it doesn't quite have that punch and I think the first time that we launched our website that's what happened it didn't connect this time when you see the the new images you know it you look at it you could look at one image and go that's Joe that's that's Joe's new brand that's the power that it has but it, again it took a journey and it took um, you know working with an amazing group of people who had vision and and who had the um, we work with an amazing man called Mark who just understands all of these things far beyond and when we sit and have a meeting with him I don't understand half of what he's saying and I say can you just, can you just run through that again you know, <laughs> just, just give it to me A, B and C and he's so brilliant so if you don't understand it as a business you have to find somebody that does yeah well, at the end of the day, it all comes back to uh, making sure that your your truth is expressed um, consistently in all these different sort of touch mm. points, I think, really, which is what you're saying and, um, and making it all work. So the store, um, I know there's a, a, a story attached to the store, which uh, maybe you can expand upon. Um, you mentioned that uh, the idea of building a global profile, but maybe with just a few you know, stores mm. dotted around. Um, this feels like it's more than just um, the, the first order. I think there's a special meaning to it, and it's a, it is a flagship store. So do you feel that um, having a flagship store is, is firstly an important thing to, for your consumers to recognise you? And, um, and what, what, do you, what were the reasons behind opening this store? Well, 42 Elizabeth Street was where I had my first job at 16 years old. It was owned by an amazing man called Justin DeBlanc, who at the time was the greatest food entrepreneur. He used to have these amazing food emporiums, a bit like what you would get in New York, Dean and DeLuca, but he was really the very first person to do that in London. And there was a flower shop on the corner between Ebury Street and Elizabeth Street, and I, my first job was there, 16 years old, and I would go off to the flower market in the morning, come back, water all the plants, and being, you know, there was this, an arrogance about me without a trigger of a doubt when I was 16. I was quite full of myself, and I'd come back I'd watered all the plants and got into trouble because I hadn't done them properly and I threw this bucket of water over the manageress and quit <laughs> um, if I tell you if anyone did that in one of my shops today they would be out on their ear and I could see leaves hanging from her ears and everything <laughs> and I, r I remember running up to 42 Elizabeth Street to Justin to say that I had resigned and he said no you haven't go and put a smock on and go downstairs so I worked in the delicatessen for a period of time as well and it was the most, I think the, my love of retail definitely started somewhere around that time. Mm. He was just great at selling a dream to somebody. And um, his love of food and wine and beautiful things and how they were displayed. So 
42 Elizabeth Street, I'm returning back to the same place that I started at 16. And I remember walking through the door on the first day, Gary gave me the keys to the shop on my birthday last year and said, it's yours. And I just walked through the door and I felt I'd come home. And that's a really weird thing to say. I just walked in and thought, this is right. This feels the right place to be. And it's been a game and a half getting it built and created. But it has been, I, I saw the, um, the bar's just gone in yesterday. And she's got this amazing big silver, silver pewter top that's all been polished and nice. welded together. And I honestly say, it took, I, I felt myself go, it took my breath away. And I looked and I thought, I'm so glad I stayed true to who I was and what I feel and who I am. And I believe it will change the landscape of cosmetics again. It's going to change the way people see cosmetics, the way you feel about them. Mm. And it's the first chapter of an amazing journey we're about to take with a, with a brand that isn't going to start and end with a shower gel and a fragrance. I think it's going to travel into many areas. Mm. That's interesting. And uh, well, we're clearly we're going to be very interested to see that all unfold in the future, and I'm sure it's going to be successful. And and just a little bit about the um, the, the, the the profile of the fragrances. Obviously, there's a lot of kind of like there's a foodiness to them. There's a lot of kind of uh, notes which involve mm. uh, you know ingredients like mango and Thai lime and and so on. Mm. Does that connect back to that kind of those those early days, or does that does that influence come from from other other areas? I think with my, so I love food, I love cooking, I love ingredients, I love, um, I love thinking up really weird things. I'm very dyslexic, so I think my senses are really my means of communication. When, and I remember the first time walking into the store and I had this, I closed my eyes and I had this wonderful vision of a brasserie. And I love brasseries. Mm. I love sitting at little French brasseries all on my own, mm. nice cup of coffee, little notebook. And I watch people and I watch life and it's those things that inspire me and the smell of the, um, I don't know, the, the, the wonderful zucchini frite that comes out or the creme brulee with the sort of raspberry sorbet and, I, and it just excites me. There's something really magical. So I wanted when you came into the shop, you're going to sit down at that bar that's going to feel like a French, that it's going to feel like a fragrance brasserie. You're going to feel, oh, I thought this was a... A fragrance shop, I've, I've walked into the wrong one. You sit down and you're going to sit and enjoy fragrance tapas. So you'll order, so your shower gel will come from cocktail shakers. Your bath cologne will appear in a huge white tagine. And what we've done is we've just changed the landscape mm. and changed that moment when you first, you know, you know when you first meet a boy or a girl and you think to yourself, oh, you know, I'm really attracted to them. Well, brands are like that. That first moment mm. you you kiss or you meet that brand, it's up to, it's up to us to make that first moment so memorable. Mm. And that's what I want Joe Loves to be all about. Um, I've done chocolate to match every single one of the fragrances, which has been so, I mean, mango has been one of the most difficult things to do in the whole world, I don't know why. I want people to be able to travel this journey and go from their nose to the feeling of the warm body creams being painted on them, to then tasting their fragrance, so that it, it encompasses all of the senses. Um, you know, are we going to f serve food there? No, we're not going to be doing that. We're, we're there to serve and, and uh, present fragrance in a different way. But I'd love to travel into food. And I think the fact that I am back where I first started 
um, has something to do with that. I kind of haven't worked it all out in my head yet, but um, you know, I'd love to be involved in some way of doing something. I think it's really exciting. Well, I, you know, hearing you talk about this, uh, about the Joe Loves brand and and what it's going to be doing from. Uh, you know, a physical experience, I have no doubt it's going to be a huge success. Mm. And you're probably going to have people going around the block. And um, <laughs> the idea of a few small stores might be um, a challenge for you. And I just wanted to um, talk about success because um, in the previous incarnation of Joe Malone, um, you, uh, you know, you built this, this you changed fragrance and you built a highly successful brand that became, you know, iconic. And um, and then you know there was a, a decision to sell to Estee Lauder mm. and and I think this this kind of path from sort of challenger to icon is really at the heart of kind of many of the questions behind the people I interview um, and watching um, you know people sort of change as they go through that that that, that pathway and uh, and we know obviously that, that many brands can benefit from going into a bigger stable, uh, all sorts of things can happen. And brands like Green and Black's Chocolate, for example, which is one of my first clients 21 years ago, is, is now owned by one of the biggest yeah. food companies in the world. Jean and Jean Fairley started that, didn't Yes, she, she did. Yeah. yeah, she was, Joe jo and Amazing. Craig were my first clients. So, um, so let's just talk about the decision. Was it hard to make? Um, what was the relationship mm. like? And what were the advantages and disadvantages in your mind now you've got a bit of time mm. um, you know, since then? Well, first of all, I don't really see myself as iconic. I have to be honest. I see what I created. I don't see myself in that way. I see I was successful yesterday, but it's up to me to get up and make myself successful again today. I can't, I can't live off my history. I have to make it happen again. When I was first approached by Estee Lauder to sell, I was at a time in my life where I'd worked incredibly hard on this business. And, you know, Gary and I had this little pool of money left over at the end of each month. And did it protect us from a legal perspective, you know, stopping people opening Joe Malone stores? You know, did we, did we protect that? Did we put it into creation and designing a product? And I think with a lot of businesses, sometimes they become, their own success starts to backfire on them. And the business grows so quickly. And if you don't grow with that business, it starts to almost slip back and become, and you miss that sort of traction moment that you've got, mm. but grow too quickly and it can outgrow you and destroy you. Mm. So that's often why people you know, build something and sell it and put it into a bigger stable. It's a very good analogy that, because you need that help, you need that support. And also you know, everything from H&R to legals to, you know, all of those things that go into make a business very successful. Yeah. And especially if you're taking it globally, you need to understand the territories, you know, you need to understand how to open up territories, what each one needs. And yeah. it's a whole minefield yeah. out there. And unless you get it, and you can get it horribly wrong, lose your business and lose a lot of money. So that's often why. So when I sold to Lauder, it was, I thought I was going to stay for the rest of my life. I thought I had a job for life. Um, I had the most amazing life. I would travel first class everywhere and I'd arrive in the hotel and I'd be put in this big suite and, you know, I was living the life that just was wonderful. I was creating product, working with the most amazing scientists and, and chemists. Um, and then I was diagnosed with cancer and that was the thing. So if that hadn't happened to me, maybe I would still be there. You know, you can't, I'd, something 
life-threatening happened to me and it changed the way I saw life. Mm. And that was why I walked away. I never regret that decision, ever. Walking, selling or walking, um, actually no, I, I never regret selling. I know that that business is in great safe hands and it continues to employ a lot of people and continues to grow. Do I identify with it? No, I don't. But I look at it with such pride and love that it was something I created at my kitchen sink. Mm. Um, if I had my time again, would I sell it differently? Yes. But any entrepreneur will say that in their first business. You know, it's the first business that we built and sold. Mm. But if I changed it, it may not have sold. So you can't look back in life and say, ooh, From a business perspective, when I walked away, it was the right decision for me. From a creative it was the worst decision I made as a person for me personally because I mourned being part of that industry every single day for five years. Mm. I couldn't even walk around a cosmetic hall. I would, <laughs> I would, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I would look at the product and I was yearning to be part of that industry and create a fragrance. And so something would happen to me and I would think of a fragrance and I would think to myself, I can't do anything, what am I going to do with it? Mm. And it was excruciating for me those five years of not being able to be part of something. I thought about getting myself a job and um, I thought no one, you know, who's going to give me a job? I've got no CV, no qualifications, left school at, at 15. Yes, I thought of a, a big business, but, you know, I thought I was unemployable. So I really, I really grieved. So the disadvantage was creatively for five years, I just stood still and it was, I don't ever want to live that chapter of my life again. Yeah. You know, I've got to, I'll have to go and get a job and go and, I don't know, make soap or do something. I, I would say, listen to you talk that you're, there's just this innate um, challenger spirit within you which um, just mm. overcomes adversity and just produces. And, um, and, it's, and it's great to see you doing it with Joe Loves. And, and uh, there's a certain, Irony, I think, now that we're back in, in the game, you're back in the game with, with <laughs> Joe Loves, because um, I, I would agree with you. I think you, you built an iconic brand before, and um, but now you're challenging it, essentially, with what you're doing. You're, well, not necessarily directly challenging Joe Malone, but mm. you are, you are, no, I can uh, see you're, you're kind yeah. of starting afresh. You know, you are the challenger once again, mm. um, doing it you know, mm. instinctually. And um, and I just kind of like wanted to get your view on that. Had you thought about yourself like that, have, that journey having gone to having built something so iconic and now you're the challenger, is that just part of, it sounds like it's just um, part of your inherent what do I, how do personality. I think, of I think I'm a fighter. I think mm. I'm, I'm very creative. I think of, I mean, in 2014, 2015, I've been working on a project for two years where Nobody believed we could do it, and we were on the brink of just finishing this product, and we'll launch it in 2014. And it will change the way people see a certain sector of the cosmetic, <clears throat> and what you know what we can do with that. I don't see myself as this sort of Joan of Arc of cosmetic. No. I, I, I really don't. I, I get up every day and I try and make myself successful. I think the drive within me is I'm happiest when I'm busy. Um, I came from a very working class background. And although my life is completely different now, I still have that spirit of, 
I want to get up in the morning. I want to go to work. I want to provide for my family or myself. And I want to come home at night feeling tired and go, I did good today. I can tick that box. I want to take other people on that amazing journey with me as well and see their dreams. It's as important to me now to see their dreams being fulfilled as my own. Um, I do know that I'm, I think I'm challenged, I'm going to challenge not just Jo Malone, but it's got, you know, Jo Malone has taken a very different turn now and it's, it's gone in a very different direction. I think I'm about this undiluted creativity. I don't want to control it. I don't want it to control me, but I want us to travel this journey in a business and see where we can go with it. I don't want to get to the end of my life and think, I wish I'd tried this, I wish I'd done that. And all the things that have happened to me in my life, from building businesses to selling them to fighting cancer, I mean, all of those things, it takes guts and sheer grit and determination. And so it's the same little ingredients that I have every single time. I, I, don't, I didn't build a business any different way than I fought cancer. You know, I just was determined to get from here to there and I would survive and I would, you know, few bruises and grazes along the way, but that's life. And a few wonderful moments and, and happiness along the way. Hmm. And I, I do feel that I was given my life back for a reason. And just to sit in a corner in a beach house or in a vineyard and waste my life away, that's, that to me isn't life. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, uh, you, know, you are um, hearing you talk then as you know, very uh, personal and also inspirational. And, um, and hearing you talk about um, you, know, you help other people's dreams come true, I think is a, is a nice way to sort of wrap this up. Because um, like you, um, we, well, we, helped, we worked on a, the BBC program called High Street Dreams, which was about um, mentoring young businesses mm. and, and, and entrepreneurs, which was a, a mixed bag of experiences, I think, really. But um, uh, you are you know, the epitome of kind of uh, bringing things to market, I think, and, and building success. So let's just, what do you think that uh, you know, brands and business and society can do more for young entrepreneurs um, and, and business these days? And any advice you might want to, to, to give people that are thinking along those lines? Mm -hmm. um, ooh, lots of advice. I think the future of this country lies, there's a huge part of this journey that entrepreneurs can step up to the plate and provide because they, you know, if we encourage entrepreneurs to build their businesses, they could employ one more person. And that is what creates jobs. That's what then goes on to do all the, you know, all the things that we need to do as a country to get ourselves back on our feet. So I feel passionately about that. I remember being here when we were making High Street Dreams together and I remember seeing all that amazing packaging that you created for uh, Mr. Singh's chili sauce and seeing the delight on their faces and that moment when they clapped mm. and they smiled and, and just that feeling that somebody else believed in them. And you know what, I think uh, I was in an event yesterday which is, um, which is encouraging the over 50s who have suddenly, you know, all this whole lost generation of mm. people who have lost their jobs and have no hope, actually, of, you know, that it's, it's proved that if you lose your job, you can be unemployed between three and four years. Mm. It's a lost generation, mm. and it's wrong. Mm. And these people have so much to give. And this room was full of little entrepreneurial businesses making everything 
from clocks to tell the time to dyslexic children to um, coffins covered in material. I mean, all these amazing ideas. And I just stood there and I felt so humbled by the whole thing because I was one of those people, I'm starting again. And to help one another and to give us, to give each other a sense of purpose um, and to use what we have, what we've learnt and what we've given. That's not to say that we all have to go out and provide packaging free of charge and whatever. I don't believe that's the answer. But actually just to give that helping hand along the way and say to somebody, because often entrepreneurs don't have all the answers. They're yeah. very good at either being creative or very business orientated, but they're missing something in their business. But there is a mass of people out there who are unemployed who have those tools and those gifts that we need to build businesses. And for me, it just, it might be my very simple dyslexic sort of mind, but I'm thinking, these two fit somewhere along the way here. It, it's, not, it's not always the way that people want to work, but we, we need to encourage people and we need to show them the way. And once you've equipped people and empowered them, what happens is, um, and I go around doing a lot of talks and talking about my story and saying, take one more step, just one more step of, step of faith, one more day. And often what will happen with entrepreneurs and young people and the over 50s is you encourage them to take one more step and suddenly they'll look back and they'll realize they've actually taken 10. Mm. And that wonderful moment where you see a company being born and every business starts with a vision and a dream and then it needs a whole heap of creativity and passion but the thing that keeps those wheels moving is grit and determination and often as if you're a single person in a business and running your business as a one-man band you lose that motivation and you lose that strength and one person just coming along putting a hand on the shoulder and saying you know what I'm not doing anything today I'll help you pack boxes yeah. I'll make those phone calls for you that's how businesses are born. Mm. That's how my business was definitely born in the beginning. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And, um, you know, I just wanted to just, after hearing you talk about <clears throat> what you've been through and what you're doing, uh, just say congratulations Thank on you. Joe Loves. Uh, I just, I think we all know it's going to be a big success. You're, and uh, and uh, I like this idea of your undiluted creativity mm. and valuing that. And uh, I have no doubt that that undiluted creativity is going to make all your so. latest dreams come true. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. A pleasure.